0: So, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, and uh, this, the 24th of October. It's the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to produce the program again, and present the program, in fact, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John.
1: How are we keeping?
0: Good. We're coming to the end of the year, Shane, the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. We've got a few more Sundays to go before we enter new churches. Yeah, is that right?
1: Yes, so we have, I think it's two, maybe three Sundays left before Christ the King. Uh, yeah, three Sundays before Christ the King, and then we're into Advent. So the year is passing, the liturgical year is passing very quick. As you said, it's gotten a bit autumnal. I have to say, it's a little harder getting into the river Shannon when I'm going by swims at the moment. But yes. Yeah,
0: I'd like, to get a selfie of, I'd like to get a selfie of that, if that's possible. You? Yeah, to no, me. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, listeners, you're very welcome. And thanks again for joining us, especially those of our listeners who, who we often say are, are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way. Thank you indeed for joining us. And thank you indeed for your prayers. And please stay with us again for another episode, another podcast from Come and See Inspirations. Our program, as we mentioned before, um, includes interviews on faith topics, inspirational music, and reflecting, of course, on the Sunday Gospel. And all of our programs can be heard uh, downloaded at comeandseeinspirations.buzzspread.com. That's come And also on Spotify, iTunes, and, of course, also on our Come and See Inspirations page on Facebook. Please contact us if you wish to do so by passing a comment. Uh, I'd like to come on the program or or maybe even suggesting that maybe a program we could do, uh, contacts and so on and so forth, do that by emailing us and that's on comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com That's comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com Or you can also text us at 087 or if outside of Ireland That's 00353876088667 the reason why I mentioned that international number is because a lot of our listeners uh, at this stage um, do listen to us from, from abroad anywhere, from Australia to America to Asia and back again to Europe. But now with this part of the programme, I will invite Shane again to share with us some Saints for the week. Thanks, Shane. Right, John.
1: Before I jump into the Saints this week, a couple of announcements or things to draw to people's attention. So the first thing is uh, people are aware, we had Jane Mellet on the programme, we've had Jane on a couple of times in the last couple of months, particularly in relation to Laudato Si. So one of the things that's obviously going on at the moment is COP26 is coming up in November in uh, Scotland. I think it's in Glasgow, and um, it's the whole push to try and the next level and after the Paris climate agreement and, and all the rest of it in terms of the climate emergency. <laughs> So just to draw people's attention to it, the Laudato Si' um, movement, which is the NGOs, and particularly the Catholic NGOs, coming together to push the message of Pope Francis's encyclical Laudato Si', they are trying to gather uh, signatures for um, a, a, a campaign in terms of Healthy Planet, Healthy People petition, which is aimed at COP26. Now, if from an Irish point of view, it's an international it's an international petition, but from an Irish point of view, it's been led by Trocra. So, if you want to kind of get involved and add your name to it, uh, they're hoping to get 10,000 signatures from Ireland. So, if you want to check out the website, which is healthy planet and people, the Catholic petition.org, Catholic petition.org, and it's the Healthy Planet, Healthy People petition. And um, if you want to sign up to it, we're actually going to have Jane Mellett on the program next week, just to give us a heads up what's going to actually happen at COP26. Then, um, as John mentioned, we're heading in towards the end of the liturgical year. So we're obviously looking down the door of Advent. And the first Sunday of Advent this year is actually going to be the 28th of November. So over the next couple of weeks, we will be mentioning uh, resources for people in terms of preparation for Advent. Um, and just two to draw people's attention to this week. The first is the Pray As You Go um, app website. It's it's run by the Jesuits in the UK. Many people will be familiar with it. And it's kind of it's a, it's a it's a it's a website or an app that you can listen to daily for about 15-20 minutes. Fifteen minutes, which takes you through prayer moments. It's it's very popular, particularly with commuters and that kind of thing. But what they're doing is the the praise you go. They're doing an Advent retreat. So if you want, if you have access, pre, uh, Google praise you go, and it'll take you in, and you can see the, the Advent retreat. Um, for those at a more local level in in Limerick, just to draw your attention to Advent at the Abbey, twenty twenty one, as a new season of hope. So this is the install Abbey. And they are going to be running a series of talks. Um, Main talk is at 3.30 p.m. Now, you can attend um, at the library in the Abbey itself. It will also be streamed via the the webcam and available also as a recording afterwards. And the way they're doing it is there's going to be a talk at half as three, and then there'll be uh, refreshments, and then there's reflection through music and art at 5 p.m., and then there's evening prayer with the community, the, the, the Benedictine community, at 6 p.m. And that's on for the four Sundays of Advent. So the first Sunday is the 28th of November and the main talk is going to be given by Patrick Hederman and it's called Stay Awake. The second talk is the second Sunday actually is the Vinstall Abbey School carol service with a small talk on the mysteries of Jesus's origins by Abbot Brendan Coffey. The third Sunday, which is the 12th of December, The Lord is Near by Martin Brown. And then the 19th of December, which is the fourth Sunday of Advent, it's, it's brother, Padraig McIntyre, who's giving a talk, a, a reflection on the visitation. So they're the main talks at 3 p.m. Keep an eye on the Glynstall website. Um, you'll see the posters going up, and we'll mention those again in next week's podcast. Uh, and the other thing, just to flag, we mentioned it last week, our good friend Noreen Lynch down in the FCJ house in Spanish Point. So just to remind people, there's a talk, uh, the, the Saturday the 6th of November, Resilience Through Story with Maria Gillen is on. She's an Irish storyteller and it's how stories and our stories can teach us about resilience and hope in our lives. That's November the 10th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Then November the 13th, it's Stillness by the Sea with Penula Quinn, who's a Dominican sister. And it's looking at a series of talks around prayer as a relationship and the method of centering prayer. And there's an introduction on November the 13th from 2 to 5 p.m. at the FCJ House in Spanish Point. Then finally, on December the 11th, they're doing an Advent retreat day with Carol Barry, and it's called Advent, Light is Coming. And it's on December the 11th from 10 to 4 p.m. So all of that information is available on the FCJ website, uh, Spanish Point House Facebook page at the moment, and they are currently building their website. And t- if you're talking to Noreen, Noreen, tell her we sent you. Um, also, just to flag to people, we have previously uh, had discussions and interviews with members of the Cistercian community at Ross Cray Abbey. So technically it's the Mount, it's Mount St. Joseph Abbey. And just to flag to people, they're actually doing a fundraising campaign at the moment for their bell restoration. They have two big great bells named Chiron and Cronon after uh, the found, founders of the 6th century monasteries of Far and Roth's And they were, you know, given to the Abbey when it was built. And currently, um, they need to raise 75, I'm assuming that's 75,000 euros. There's a decimal point missing. So they're looking for contributions with a target that, um, that they want to be able to ring the bells for Midnight Mass and the carol service this Christmas. So if if you want to contribute, you can get in touch. Um, They are, you can donate online or contact the monastery. And if you do, tell the Dom Malachy that we sent you along. Um, So that's what we have, John, in terms of notices this week. Have you anything before I jump into the saints? No, off you go. No, thanks. So, In terms of the saints this week, as John said, we're in the 30th week in ordinary time. So, for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week two. Um, So, uh, Monday the 25th is the feast day of Blessed Tadius McCarthy. Now, Tadius is one of those interesting guys. He's actually one of the martyrs, the Irish martyrs. He's associated very much with the Diocese of Cork and Ross. Uh, No, sorry, I beg your pardon. He's not one of the Irish martyrs. Apologies, I take it back. So, Blessed Theodius McCarthy. He was born in 1455. He was appointed the Bishop of Ross, and his appointment was opposed. So then, the Pope at the time, Innocent VIII, appointed him Bishop of Cork and Clane, and he went then to Rome to be confirmed as the Bishop of Cork and Clane, and he died on his way home in Avrnia in Italy in 1492. So that's Blessed Tadius McCarty. Then Tuesday the 26th. Now, bear with me on this one, John. I need to forget, watch my pronunciation on this. So it's the feast day of Blessed Jose Gregario Hernandez Cisneros.
0: I reckon you're going somewhere in your holidays.
1: You know, you're you just practising. <laughs> <laughs> now, this gentleman is Venezuelan. So he's from Caracas. And he was born in 1864. In, in And he died. He was hit by a car actually, while he was delivering medication to an, an elderly patient. He was hit by a car in 1919, and he was beatified in 2021 by Pope Francis. Now, this guy is an interesting. He was the eldest of six children. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his parents' names. And he, at the age of 18, he studied medicine, and he then went to, on for further studies in France and Berlin. He felt called to the religious life and began investigating becoming a Cartusian monk. And we mentioned the Cartusians a couple of weeks ago because it was the feast day of St. Bruno, their founder. And the Cartusians are the kind of Marine Corps. They're like really heavy duty kind of thing. So, anyway, he, so he did some theological studies in Italy, but he had to return to Venezuela because of health reasons. And Jose took this as a sign that he should give up the idea of religious life and serve as an apostolate, as a physician. And that's how he spent the rest of his life, single, celibate, prayerful, and dedicated to caring for the poor for free. So I just thought he was an interesting guy. So that's Blessed José Gregorio Hernandez Cernoras, Sales Mieros, I beg your pardon. So he's one of the saints from Venezuela. The 27th of October is the Feast Day of St. Otteran on the Irish calendar, associated very much with the Diocese of associated with Iona and, and the city of Waterford. And he's, so he's the patron of the Diocese of Waterford. He's, a, he's usually identified with um, a guy called Oren, who preceded Columba in Iona. His death is recorded in 548, and his grave, his grave was greatly revered at Iona. And one of the reasons why he's the patron of the city of Waterford was because the Vikings chose him as one of their patron saints. So that's why. Uh, so he, that's who we celebrate on the twenty seventh of October. On the twenty eighth of October, we have our apostles for the month. So that's Simon and Jude. And so uh, Jude, obviously, of course, is the patron saint of focus cases. And Simon is known as Simon uh, the Zealous. Yes, or no, otherwise known as Nathaniel. And very much he was. He was. Uh, Zealous, zealous, zealous for the Jewish law. Um, so um, like all the apostles, he was a convert and he was trained by St. Peter the Apostle. Tradition associates him with evangelization in Egypt and Mesopotamia. And he was a martyr for the faith. Breakfast warning. Uh, he is said to have suffered martyrdom by being sawn in two. And he is the patron saint of woodcutters, obviously enough, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people that chop timber. So lumberjacks. projects.
0: You do choose them. Uh,
1: <laughs> so St. Jude Thaddeus, who celebrates the same feast day. So Jude is the son of Cephas, who died a martyr, and his mother Mary, who stood at the foot of the cross, brother of St. James the Lesser, uh, by tradition was a blood relative of Jesus. We're not sure what the family connection was, but he was supposed to be a nephew of Mary and Joseph. Um, wrote the canonical epistle that's named for him, the letter of St. Jude. And again, is associated with Syria, Mesopotamia and Persia. Um, now, his patronage of lost or impossible causes traditionally comes from the fact that many early Christians mixed him up with Judas Iscariot. So you've St. Jude and you've Judas Scout, okay? So, um, so they never prayed for his help and devotion to him became something of a lost cause. Now, breakfast morning, as he's one of the 12 apostles, he suffered martyrdom and he was beaten to death with a club. So if you see one of the apostles with a club, that is Jude Thaddeus. And his relics are supposed to be in St. Peter's in Rome. So then we move on to Friday the 29th. Friday the 29th is the feast day of Saint Coleman on the Irish calendar so associated with Kilmacdua in County Galway, um, and seventh century Saint uh, studied in Aran, I presume, the Aran Islands, where he founded two church two churches on Inishmoore, and returned to make the foundation at Kilmacdua. Now, John, question for you: Who's the bishop of Kilmacdua? Is it the Pope? Uh, Hey, good man, John, you remember him. You asked me that last (laughs) year. (laughs) Technically, the Sea of Kilbekliwa is vacant, so it's said in a so technically the Pope is the bishop, but it's held by the Bishop of Galway. Um, And then finally, on the 30th of October, we celebrate another one. Now, bear with me again on this one, John. So it's Blessed Oleska Zareski. Okay. I'm not calling that one out again. Don't even ask. And this is gentlemen, this gentleman is what we call a Greek Catholic. He is a Ukrainian um, Byzantine individual. Um, priest, rather, I should say. He entered the seminary in, in 1931. He was ordained in 1936. He was a pastor of the Archparty of Liv in the Ukrainians. He was imprisoned for the faith in 1948 under the communists where he sent- he was sentenced to 10 years in labor camps. He was released in 1957 and was soon rearrested for the faith and sentenced to more year three more years in prison and he died in prison and is regarded as a martyr for the cause and he died at a forced labor camp in Kazakhstan. He was beatified in 2001 by John Paul II during his uh, trip. One of his trips to the Ukraine. So that's what we have, John, in terms of the celestial guides for this week. Obviously, just to point out to people, next Sunday is the thirty-first, which is obviously Halloween, uh, All Hallows' Eve, which obviously means Monday and Tuesday uh, next of the week, of the following week rather, is uh, All Saints and All Souls. So just we'll we'll mention those again next week when we're talking about the um, the liturgical odds and ends. Just to put it onto people's mental calendars.
0: Thank you, Shane. I think we may be, we should rearrange the menu for our Sunday mornings breakfast time, just in yeah, case. My,
1: you... Yeah, well, yeah. it's not too bad if we don't have martyrs. But <laughs> it's hard to avoid the martyrs when we talk about the apostles, yeah. because of the of the twelve apostles, one hung himself, the other ten were martyred, and John died of old age. Yeah.
0: Anyway, just in case, we might have to change it. Anyway, at this part of the program, uh, sorry, this part of the podcast, we usually um, have a a prayer space where we're just trying to slow down slightly and uh, offer a prayer that maybe might be opportune, maybe this time of uh, the month or this time of the week. And today we picked one, uh, something about the rosary, because obviously, as we all know, October is the month of the rosary. And this is a text of a prayer written by Pope Francis for the end of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. He's asking people to recite the rosary and pray this prayer afterwards. This is one of the prayers he's asked us to pray. O Mary, you shine continuous on on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick, who at the foot of the cross were united with Jesus' suffering and persevered in your faith. Protect us of our people. You know our needs. We know that you will provide so that, as at the Cana in Galilee, joy and celebration may return after this time of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the will of the Father Let's do what Jesus tells us. For he took upon himself our suffering and burdened himself for our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We fly to your protection, the Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions in our, in our necessities, but deliver us, as always, from every, every danger, our glorious and blessed Virgin Mary. That was a prayer um, suggested by Pope Francis at this time to pray for the end of COVID-19 and, of course, to continue to recite the Rosary. That being in mind, we'll go for our first bit of music here in the podcast this morning. And this one is entitled The Rosary, and this is by Vera Lynn. So come back and join us again in part two.
2: The hours I spent with thee, dear heart As a string of pearls to me, I count them over, every one apart. My rosary, my rosary, each hour a pearl a breath To spill a heart in absence run Memories that bless and burn Oh, barren gain and bitter loss
0: Back again to the second part of our podcast here, and come and see inspirations. My name is John Keeley, Still joined by Shane Ambrose. At this point of the podcast this morning, we'd we'd actually like to speak about something that was actually uh, launched um, last week. Now, last week here in our podcast, we we had uh, prearranged to speak about um, Mission Sunday, so we kind of done things roundabout ways. I know Mission Sunday has been um, formally uh, held this particular weekend, but anyway. We said this week we'd like to speak about this two-year synodic, synodic, synodical path um, called Encounter, Listen, and Discern, which Pope Francis has called for the whole um, for the whole church for two thousand twenty-three synod. Shane, can you put that into English for us a little bit now, as to what might be involved and so on and so forth? <laughs> that I know we mentioned it before. Yeah,
1: it's a bit of a mouthful, and it's an interesting one. So. Um, How to break it down. So first of all, in 2023, Pope Francis has called a meeting of the Synod of Bishops. So the Synod of Bishops is a gathering of bishops from around the world that occurs every couple of years and generally discusses a theme which has been set by the Pope. So under Francis, we've had one on youth and evangelization, I think was the other one. And generally at the end of a a Synod of Bishops, there's an apostolic exhortation published by the Pope. And this was something that was started at the end of the Second Vatican Council by Pope Paul VI at the request of the bishops to continue the kind of emphasis of uh, communication and dialogue with the bishops by the Holy See. Now, it's an interesting one. Synods and synodality as a terminology, it's one that isn't very familiar to what we call Latin Rite Catholics. So that's Catholics pretty much in... Western Europe, the U.S., Australia, that would be directly under the Holy See in Rome. So that's most of us that would be listening to this podcast. Synods, however, are very much a part of the church's tradition. Uh, In the Western church, that's our neck of the woods. They would have been very common in the first 1,100 years of, 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 of the history of the church. In the eastern half, they are still very active. Um, the churches, the Orthodox churches, are very much synodal churches under their patriarchs. And they're very much an active tool for those. how those churches are governed and established. So, um, so Pope Francis is very much a man that's he's been talking about this whole process of what it is to be synod and synodal and all the rest of it. And for us in the Limerick Diocese, we kind of preempted the whole thing slightly because we had our own diocesan synod back in 2016. But other dioceses around the world have also had synods, and even in Australia, at the moment, they're having what's called a plenary Council, which is actually a step above the synod. Um, but we won't, we, won't, we won't confuse the situation, so we're sticking with the one in Rome. So basically, Pope Francis has called for um, a synod in 2023. So the, 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 the bishops, the, the synod of bishops in 2023, 2023 is going to be on the issue of synods and synodality in the Catholic Church. But there are going to be a couple of extra steps in the process this year, and this time round, because last weekend, the 17th of October, was the official beginning of what's called the diocesan local stage of the synod process. So there's supposed to be a local diocesan consultation, and then there's supposed to be um, a national and then a regional, and then it goes to Rome. So a global consultation process. And very much, I suppose, it's focusing on the the theme, which is, you know, it's looking at how does the church, how what does it mean to be a synodal church? How, and, and I suppose the question then becomes, John, what is... Um, what it is to be, to be to be synodal. And we're entering into what's called the first phase of listening and consultation of the people of God in the particular churches, which starts on the 17th of October and runs until April 22. And um, the idea is very much kind of trying to figure out what it is to be synodal. And it's interesting because when you look at the different talks that have been given Particularly last weekend, by different bishops around the world, there's quite a number of bishops which have basically put their hands up and they've said, We have no idea what this actually means. And I thought one of those interesting comments actually came from Timothy Dolan in New York. And he put his hand up and he's, you know, to his, um, but he identified a number of features uh, of what it is to be sinner. But before I get to what he said, let's talk about what the Pope said. So the Pope also launched um, the the, the official start of the synodal process. That was done on the 8th of October. And it was done, there was a mass in St. Peter's, uh, Peter's, sorry, the 10th of October. There was a mass in St. Peter's at which the Pope gave a homily, very much focusing on trying to explain, celebrating synod means walking together on the same road. And, you know, it's, it's, Very much, I suppose, looking at when when Pope Francis was given his homily on that Sunday, he focused on three particular verbs which were coming from the gospel of the day, which was encounter, listen, and discern. And it's very much, they are kind of the verbs to describe what the synodal process will be about. So the idea of that we need to encounter, first of all, we need to encounter um, God, so first and foremost, it needs taking time for prayer and adoration and listening to what the Holy Spirit tells us. Um, it requires an openness to others, uh, a willingness to allow ourselves to be challenged by the presence and the stories of others. Um, he reminds us that a true encounter only comes through listening to others. That was the other verb he talked about. And he asks, are, if we are good at listening, If uh, he asks, if we allow others to express themselves... And he said that the Holy Spirit is asking us to listen to the questions, concerns and hopes of every church and to the challenges and changes presented by the world around us. So he reminds us, let us not soundproof our hearts. Let us not remain barricaded in our certainties. Let us listen to one another. And then he spoke about discernment. So he, says, he insisted that encounter and listening are not ends in themselves but must must lead to discernment. Um, And it's to look within and to discover what God reveals to us, to discern in what light, in that light, rather, what our hearts truly treasure. And he said, the Senate is a journey of spiritual discernment that takes place in adoration, in prayer, and in dialogue with the word of God. And it's an interesting one as well because the day before the mass, which now which which started the 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 the, the, the process, there was what was called a moment of reflection at the, at the synod hall in Rome, and you know it's it was it's this it's the 16th synod that's going to, synod of bishops that's going to be happening, and it's you know. We're very much reflecting again on synodality indicates walking together and listening to one another and above all to the Holy Spirit. And the role of the Spirit is very much something that Pope Francis has been emphasizing in this and very much, um, in, you know, it's, he's encouraging us, let us journey together in order to experience a church that receives and lives this gift of unity and is open to the voice of the Spirit. And he reminds us that all are called to participate. So following on from last Sunday, which or sorry, given that today is actually Mission Sunday, um, it's a reminder to us that mission isn't just somewhere out there, somewhere different. It's very much all the baptized are called to take part in the church's life and mission. And he said it's an essential ecclesial duty to enable this participation. And, um, and he reminded us that, that there's three risks to be avoided. You know, it's not just a formal external event. Um, you know, it's supposed to be an authentic spiritual discernment. Um, and we need, you know, obviously there's there, that needs structure. So this is the synodal process that we're starting out. Um, there's, a, I suppose, very to be careful that it doesn't become just elitism, just focused on people that are, you know, specialists if you like in theology or whatever else another risk i suppose is to avoid it being to become too abstract um so and then i suppose the third danger to avoid is a danger of is the danger of complacency as well and just for us to be aware of that and to be listening to that and conscious of it um the other side of it i suppose is also just to remind um, people i suppose that you know it's not um it's not going to be literally the a majority rules it's not a democracy it's not a you know it's not the exercise of the parliament it's a process of discernment and also there's very much concerns that you know those with the loudest voices you know pushing particular points of view will be the voices that is heard and the pope is very much challenged that concern and that fear that's there in terms of what may happen. But it's, it's an interesting one, John. It's the first time in over a thousand, well, it's the first time in the church's history that we've done it on this kind of global scale. Um, it's not obviously the first time in the church's history that we've had a synod. Um, there's been lots of synods down through the centuries, uh, both local, national. Uh, but this is an interesting one from the point of view of Rome and the, the, the Vatican. So, In terms of, I suppose, just giving people thoughts and flavours on it, we have three um, reflections that we're going to share. So the first one, John, I believe, is from Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, who is the Archbishop of Luxembourg, but he also happens to be the Relator General of the 16th Ordinary General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops. What does that mean in English? Basically, this gentleman is going to be chairing the, b- the bishops when they meet in Rome in 23, and he is the person that is going to kind of just make sure everything progresses along. So John has a, um, John has a reflection from this gentleman just in relation to his thoughts on the whole process and synodality. Then we are also going to have a short, uh, short little clip, which is actually from the diocesan point of view. So it's a reflection by Bishop Brendan Leahy, and two of our friends of the program, Rose O'Connor and Father Chris O'Donnell, on what synod means and how it will impact on the Diocese of Limerick. And then our third option, which our third little reflection, which brings it back local. So we've gone from global to diocesan to parochial, is a lovely reflection by Father Dan Lane, who is um, one of the assistant priests in Abbey Field. And Dan had a lovely homily uh, just about the whole process as well. So it's just a series of reflections. As, I, as John John put this together, I thought it's nice to do. I'm going to give full credit to the editor this week. He did all the heavy lifting yeah, he on this one. So he's gone from the global to the diocesan to the local, and I think it's nicely done, John.
0: It's all about the Holy Spirit. But just just before we play this one, I, I just ask uh, listeners just to listen to to Cardinal hollerick there. As, he, as part of his reflection, he refers to the puzzle a few times, and I think it's so important it really gets the point through. Um, so, as Shane said, let's listen to these three, three recordings, and then maybe... And then we'll come
1: back, just uh, one last thing, just before we go right. for our music break.
0: Okay, so first of all, let's go to Cardinal uh, Hallerick.
3: Sir, I would like to greet you all together. And now we hear uh, Cardinal Hollerich, Jean-Claude Hollerich, the Relator General persons, of the Synod. Lady, questions from all continents, diligent questions, questions on the margins of the Church, progressive questions and conservative questions, young and old, women and men of all generations. Sisters and brothers in search of God, or simply people who are curious. In fact, it is not I who should greet you. We should all greet each other. Greeting someone means being aware of their presence. Greeting someone means letting the other enter into my life. It means letting myself be disper- disturbed for the sake of an encounter a synodal church is a relational church a church of encounter we will have meetings at the level of different groups at the level of dioceses at the level of of episcopal conferences at the level of continents And finally, the General Assembly with the Synodal Fathers in October 23 in this same room. Our meetings are not one-time meetings, but meetings which are planned to last over time, taking time for one another, walking together. When we walk. Someone must choose direction for the walk. This role falls to the Holy Spirit. We know the methods of proceeding. Sometimes, as at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is manifest and fills our hearts with joy and clarity. A clarity that enlightens and defines our path much more often he let us choose our way with small pieces of a puzzle a puzzle with many colors that come from all our brothers and sisters so we have before us a duty of discernment we must choose the right pieces one after the other in a certain order with the participation of all. It is a huge puzzle where everyone is called to participate, especially the poorest, the voiceless, those on the periphery. If we exclude any player, the puzzle will not be complete. It is the Holy Spirit who inspires our interventions And leads us to fulfillment. Some of you will say yes, but there are also the temptations of the evil one who does not want to see the Church of Christ walking together. It is true. Let me give some examples of these temptations. The list is far from being exhaustive, but it is based, as you can imagine, on my own personal experience. It is a good idea, but I don't have time. I have a full agenda. That is the temptation of many bishops. Someone else will have to do it for me. It sounds like a good idea, but it cannot be taken seriously. We know the structure of the Church and the truth of its teaching. Isn't this a way to make us swallow changes that have already been decided in advance? It's a good idea, but time is too short, so I won't do anything. I like to listen to the opinion of a selected few, but listening to the experience of everyone? What an utopia! I don't want change. Change disturbs my life and my pastoral plans. I am sure that each of you will be able to complete my list of temptations. So we are going to start a journey together. A church, a journey where the shepherds must listen to the voice of the sheep. Listening. Listening to the presence of God. Listening. A humble approach. This goes against the grain of society like ours, where one must show off where one must realize oneself. Listening is a passage from a me to a we. Listening is a divine quality. I must confess to you that I have no idea yet what kind of working instrument I will be writing. The pages are blank. It is up to you to fill them. The only thing I can say is that I will not do it alone. A work tool on synodality can only come from teamwork. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in their midst. It is a synod of bishops, but now thought of and proposed as a process that involves all the people of God for the synodal process has not only a point of departure, but equally has a point of arrival in the people of God, upon whom, to the gathering of the assembly of pastors, the gifts of grace granted by the Holy Spirit must be poured out. Allow me, therefore, to address my brother bishops. At the moment of our ordination, the Book of the Gospel was held over our heads. Yet, normally we do not proclaim the gospel. We listen to the gospel, proclaimed by the deacon with a crozier in our hand. We listen to the gospel proclaimed by the one who is ordained to serve, who is ordained to the ministries of the tables, the ministries of concrete service. We are not the masters of the gospel we are its servants our listening must always include our conversion to the gospel the gospel that is at the same time both the living word of christ and the word of the church the bishop proclaims the word of god in his homily only after having listened to christ and the church it is the same attitude of listening which characterizes our role in the synodal journey. If we desire that the gospel of Christ within us becomes action, we must pass to the way of prayer. Moments of silence upon our hearts to listening. We expose ourselves to the love of Jesus who melts our resistance. The synodal journey in the diocese should be opened with true and profound prayer. Only prayer can lead us to an interior attitude of openness and availability, what is called indifference, and to that peace which enables us to make choices in freedom. Let us pray for true communion. Communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit opens us to the communion of the church. Communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will prevent us from turning the Senate into a political debate where each one fights for his own agenda. This is why our path will lead to a phase in which our Pope will draw conclusions based on the final document of the Senate of Bishops. We can see the hierarchical church at work. We can also see in it a guarantee of the Catholicity, that is to say of the universality of the Senate, a guarantee that we are not merely on this journey with a group of friends who think like me. To return to the image of the puzzle the puzzle will only be complete when players from different continents from different ecclesiastical realities have added their pieces communion is the guarantee of participation of universal participation communion without mission cannot withstand the test of time As Christ Jesus is sent by his Father, we are sent. Before we begin our mission, we must be sure of the time and the space that we share in common. We are going to live a moment of discernment spiraling upwards, from a small community to the global synodal moment, passing through different stages in time and space, a passage from a me to an even larger us personal discernment expands into communal discernment and eventually becomes true ecclesial discernment the movement from one level to another requires that we return to our initial indifference essentially the discernment proper to each person expands and changes even while listening to the contribution of everyone. The movement from one level to another requires always a moment of offering, where each and every one can open uh, his her hands and hand over everything to the master of the harvest. It is to him that we hand over the fruits of our listening our talks our prayers our deliberations and our decisions it is a supreme moment of spiritual freedom so that god may confirm our path the whole dynamic of the senate must be an offering this dynamic of offering opens our ears to listening helps us to live a true discernment so that I do not manipulate Synodal process for my own ends, for my goals of a Church for which I dream and desire, but rather so that my dream of the Church becomes our dream of the Church, thanks to the contribution of my sisters and brothers. Synodality is to enter into an ever-growing us. It is to seek what builds us together as a community, as the people of God. It is not by remaining seated that we will be able to discern the will of the Father. It is by walking together that we will encounter many crossroads and that we will have to make our choices. The church is not self-referential, it is a profound communion which requires the participation of all and is sent on mission. Yes, it is God the Father who will have to accept our choices and to send us on mission. I wish all of you a good synodal journey and please pray for me that I may fulfill my mission as Relator General of this Synod. Thank you.
4: I think this worldwide initiative that Pope Francis has launched is really coming at a critical time for us. At a good time, the right time. And I think what's happening is that we're being, in a way, at a crossroads being asked to look how can we help each other find the greater meaning. For a lot of people you know they have become disconnected with church and I would also have to say the church has become disconnected with them and there's a whole host of reasons for that you know um, people have very busy lives there's a lot going on there's a lot of competing commitments but also there's been a lot of hurt we all know about the crisis in the church so I think there's a real need for healing. It's a universal synod which is incredible to be part of something worldwide that's actually massive And we'd hate to miss that opportunity for people to actually be really heard. Not in a token way, if this is a talk shop, it's a waste of time. This is where we really listen to people, not just those who come to church and at Mass, because the church isn't a building, it's people. As human beings, the things that are very important to all of us in our lives every day is, is love, it's kindness, it's hope. And I suppose that really fundamentally is what is at the core of God's message and you know, our the whole teaching of Jesus when he came is, is all about love and kindness and hope. We're definitely on a journey and for all that has failed in the life of the church, we still want and to know that the love and the peace of Jesus is there for us. And this really is what binds us together as a church. And we know this, the special times of Christmas where we feel at peace, the new beginnings at Easter time with hope are now remembrance at November. Deep down, we know we're connected for something greater than ourselves. And this is what we experienced also during our synod in Limerick in 2016. The word synod means journeying together. And let's hope now that this worldwide initiative of Journeying Together that Pope Francis has launched will see us opening doors that will let the peace and the love and the joy that Jesus Christ wants for us reach each one of us. They say, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. As a church, we can't go it alone. We have to go together. And this is an opportunity for everybody to play their part in that and walk with us.
5: My dear friends, October is a month we associate very much with thanksgiving for the harvest. While harvest celebrations have a long history in other faith traditions, they have in more recent years also become very much part of our own faith tradition. But far from being something that has sprung up just in our own time, harvest thanksgiving ceremonies our harvest celebration ceremonies go right back to roots in the Old Testament, when from every corner of the Holy Land, thousands of people converged on Jerusalem on a particular weekend for their annual harvest festival, asking God, God's blessing on all their crops. And in fact, it was during this great harvest festival in Jerusalem that a very dramatic event took place that was to transform the lives, not just of millions, but of billions of people across the world right to this day. Because it was during that great harvest festival in Jerusalem when the apostles were together celebrating the harvest festival that the Holy Spirit descended on them in the form of tongues of fire and the apostles, finding themselves overcome and overpowered by the Holy Spirit, burst out from the room they were in onto the streets, into those thousands of people, and began to address them all in their own languages, proclaiming to them that Jesus, who had been crucified, is risen and he is with us. And the first, the people at first, thought, when they saw him, that these fellows were all drunk. But but Peter stood up in front of the crowd. He said, they're not drunk, he said. They're full of the Holy Spirit. And that day, as a result of their preaching and the power of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people joined their number. That harvest festival is still celebrated. For the Jews, it's still The the Feast of Harvest, asking God's blessing on their crops. But for Christians now, it has a different name and a very different significance. It is the Feast of Pentecost, when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, which actually marks the birthday of the Church, the day our Church was born. On that evening, that first Pentecost evening, Christians numbered over 3,000. Today, over a billion people across the world call themselves Christian. A friend of mine often quotes what I believe is a a Chinese proverb And what it reads is, no family can hang a notice on the outside of its door with the message, no problems here. The church may well be God's family, but no more than any other family, the church certainly can not hang a notice on the outside of the door, no problems here. Over 2,000 years of its history, it's lived through many problems, differences, and divisions. From the great schism of 1054, which split the church down the middle, the Orthodox and the East and the Roman Catholic and the West, down through all the multiple lesser divisions and schisms in its history. It has had its golden ages, it's also had its darkest ages, not just in history, but as we know, as we know to our own heartbreak, it has also had its darkest ages in our own times. Equally, it has had to over and over again look at where it has arrived at stop on its tracks, review how could we have arrived here and return again back to its roots on that first Pentecost and invoke the same Holy Spirit that descended on the apostles on that first Pentecost in Jerusalem, invoke the power and the help and the wisdom of that Holy Spirit to bring it back again to the faithfulness to the mission that Jesus gave it depending again and again on that promise that Jesus gave his church, I will be with you all days, yes, to the end of the world. Jesus guaranteed that his Holy Spirit would be with the church right to the end of the world to guide it and keep it on the right path. But the church can only receive the guidance of the Holy Spirit if it is listening, listening to the Holy Spirit. And traditionally in our church, we've had a sense that the guidance of the Holy Spirit came almost exclusively through the Pope and the Cardinals and the Bishops. And that we, the people of God here, had only to listen to them and to be guided by them. In our time, there is a new understanding and appreciation that we can put God's Spirit into boxes and tell him where to operate, that God's Holy Spirit operates where he wills, and that in particular, the Holy Spirit, that each and every one of us, received in baptism and confirmation is active in the words and the experiences of our lives every day and that listening to that spirit today for the church means listening to his voice in all his people ordained and non-ordained alike So, because of this new appreciation and understanding of the workings of the Holy Spirit in all his people, for the very first time in the Church's 2000-year history, Pope Francis has decided to convene a World Synod involving the whole people of God across the globe. Don't be put off by that word, Synod. The word synod really means walking together or journeying together, sharing and listening in faith as we walk. A synod is a time of attentively seeking out and listening to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit among us to rediscover together in our time the direction that God wants to lead us, his people, at this time. So, obviously, it's not to be confused with some kind of political convention or parliamentary debate style. The primary purpose of this Senate, which Pope Francis will convene, is to listen to God, who speaks to us in his word, in scripture, in our prayer, in our adoration. And particularly to listen to God also, as he speaks to us in and through each other's lives and each other's experiences, ordained and non-ordained alike. And today is a very special day because it is today that Pope Francis is launching this worldwide synod of all the peoples of God, asking the Holy Spirit who descended in the Apostles on that first Pentecost in tongues of fire to re enkindle the fire of his love in all of us and together please God under his guidance we will set out to reform and to reshape our church the way the Holy Spirit wants it to be for generations to come
0: so again uh, it it was nice for uh, us to be able to uh, bring those to our listeners attention we think it's so important here and uh, come and see inspirations always to, as best we can, bring good news. And I think that is good news, especially in terms of the reference to the Holy Spirit. I like the bit about the puzzle I'm saying. And also uh, maybe Father Dan's reflection there, uh, taken from his homily last Sunday, where he mentioned, Ascended is a time of attentively seeking out and listening to Jesus and the Holy Spirit to rediscover together in our time the direction that God wants to lead us his people, and I thought that was a lovely way for him to finish off the uh, the thought that he had there last Sunday, and probably um, probably sums it all up, Shane. Really, I mean, this one, from what I can see, I know people would say that it heard sinners before and so on and so forth. The only thing that struck me this time was. Am I listening to the Holy Spirit? And maybe I maybe I, I attended sinners before and heard about sinners before. Was I listening to the Holy Spirit, or maybe the Holy Spirit wants to say something different to me and the same as anybody else? That's just my whole my whole idea is particip- participation of everyone guided by the Holy Spirit. So, Shane, just to finish off your closing thoughts there, maybe on the whole process.
1: Yeah, no. One of the key things, of course, you know, and it's it's an important point that. Synodal being senator on a senator process isn't going to be you know parliamentary politics, it's you know, it's that's not, that's not how it works. And that's the point that Pope Francis has raised quite a number of times in terms of, I suppose, managing expectations. And one of the key things, as you said, John, is about this openness to where the spirit will blow. So, obviously, to do that uh, means having an openness to prayer. And it's just interesting that the Pope's worldwide prayer network which uh, older listeners might remember. It used to be called the Apostleship Apostleship of Prayer, very much associated, of course, with devotion to the Sacred Heart as well. But these are the guys that actually encourage people to pray for the Pope's intentions every month, which we talk about at the start of each month. Um, So they have launched a new um, app. So for those of you that are like your phones and like your apps, so your iPhone or your Android, so it's called Click to Pray 2.0. And it's basically a little app on the phone which gives you different resources for prayer, and it's very much going to be focused on praying for the success of the Synod. So just, I thought that was an interesting one just to finish up. But it was launched on. I'm going to say it was launched during the week. I think it was Wednesday. Um, so it's 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 a reminder that it's giving us people, you know, tools, and particularly particularly in the in this age when a lot of people spend a lot of time on their phones or on their devices and so on and you know for grandparents excuse me for grandparents out there maybe if you wanted to you know guide the youngsters in your life Mm -hmm. to something which they might actually engage with tell them to check it out it's called click to pray and it's uh, you know it's organized their own personal prayer planner configuring you know allowing them to set up their moments of prayer for the day and it's, you know, it's available in well, seven languages to our international listenership the vast, huge majority that we have done. Yeah. And it's, um, it's offering, and it's, it's lovely because it's, for me, it's very much, um, it's, it's, it's a further growth of something which has been quite traditional, the apostleship apostol- yeah. apostleship of prayer, apostleship of prayer, is is um, has been there for many many years. It's something I very much associated with my my grandmother and my grand aunt, and just to see it, you know, moving into and engaging with the twenty first century, uh, very much answering that call for the new evangelization. I just think it's it's a lovely idea, and a reminder to us all that whatever we're talking about with synod, first and foremost, it begins with prayer.
0: Very much so, Shane. Thanks a lot for that. Maybe just to finish off, just a quote as Shane said: um, the, the the end of uh, the Pope's homily uh, there, and, and the, a few weeks ago, he ended his homily by wishing participants in the Synodal Path a good journey together. But he said, "May we pilgrims pilgrims in love with the gospel and open to the may we be pilgrims in love with the gospel and open to the surprises of the Spirit. Let us not miss out on the grace-filled opportunities." born of encounter, listening and discernment, in joyful conviction that even as we seek the Lord, he always comes with his love to meet us first. So with that, we might go for our second piece of music here on the podcast today. And this one, probably enough, by Cessie Williams. And this one is entitled, Holy Spirit, come fill this place. So join us again in part three. So welcome back again to the third part of our podcast here on Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley and I'm still joined by Shane Ambrose. This is the part of our podcast where we like to read and reflect on the Word of God, just share, share the Sunday Gospel, maybe with a few thoughts on it. Prior to that, um, Shane always prays a prayer with us to help us to concentrate, maybe focus in on listening to the Word of God this morning. Thanks, Shane.
1: Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it then that our eyes be closed and our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, and you with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
0: For that, Jen. So the Gospel for today is taken from the Gospel of Mark, and it's chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. As Jesus left Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting at the side of the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and to say, Son of God, excuse me, Son of David, Jesus, have pity on me. And many of them scolded him and told him to keep quiet. But he only shouted all the louder. Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man. Courage, they said, get up, he's calling you. So, throwing off his cloak, he jumped up and went to Jesus. Then Jesus spoke, What do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, the blind man said to him, Master, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. And immediately his sight returned, and he followed him along the road. That's the Gospel for today. Shane, you might share a few thoughts with us, please.
1: So... The Gospel today, in some respects, actually, I think, John, it's very appropriate to what we had on in part two of the program, on part two of the podcast. That's all
0: to do with the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, okay, fair enough. (laughs) 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 I'll go with that. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, so uh, the reason why I'm going with that is Jesus spoke, what do you want me to do for you? And then Bartimaeus replies, Master, let me see again. And I think could very much actually be summed up as kind of the the the, the objective of the synod, um, the synodal process, in terms of let us see again the message that has to be shared anew, um, in terms of the good news, particularly uh, you know given trials and tribulations that have kind of happened over the last two decades or more. And how that has impacted on people's relationship with faith and church and, 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 and everything else. Um, I suppose the gospel, the gospel very much, I, I, it's very much one of those ones where, it'll be one of those Sunday gospels where I'll be saying to people, put yourselves in the shoes of the central characters and see where you stand. And what would be your reaction? So from a discernment from Alexio point of view, it would be very much kind of um, an imaginative journeying into the text this week. Um, And one way, you know, that's one way that, you know, we can encounter scripture is for in a prayerful reflective manner to read and put ourselves into the text as we're reading it and see where do we stand and what would be our reaction if we were in particular circumstances. Again, we have Jesus leaving Jericho and um, so, and moving out, and we have this encounter with Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus just means the son of Timaeus, Bart, Bar, Bar. You know, Peter was sometimes uh, uh, Simon Bar-Jonah, so he was the Simon son of Jonah. So Bartimaeus is just the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road. And it's an interesting one because um, usually um, kind of beggars and so forth that kind of were told to, or shunned very much, Bartimaeus is very much one of the, he's kind of out there kind of saying, um, Son of David, Jesus, have pity on me. And he's kind of a bit upfront and he's a bit, uh, the words I suppose we'd say, we'd say he's a bit of a brass neck in terms of just pushing his, his, his intercession with Jesus. And you know, you have the crowd around saying, Will you be quiet and sit down and stay in your corner? And perhaps we need to think about that this week and ask ourselves the question, Well, okay, is there times where we need to be a little bit more out there in terms of our faith, or maybe we need to, another way of looking at it is, you could, okay, you can look at it from two perspectives. You could look at it in terms of the wider community and our relationship out there with faith, but it could also be something in terms of son of David, Jesus have pity on me from a personal point of view in terms of our relationship with God and with scripture. And kind of reminding ourselves that maybe we need to turn back to God, to Jesus. And that our prayer would be like that of of Bartimaeus, which would be, Master, let me see again. Um, It's interesting, you know, Jesus says, "Call, call, call him here and brings him forward and says, what do you ask me of me to do for you? And it's an interesting one because one of the things I suppose that's out there kind of in terms of understandings of faith and religion is sometimes that whole thing that God dictates what we do and God controls everything that we do. But one of the differences with Christianity, and it was one of the key differences with Christianity, particularly when the church and the faith was starting out, was this whole idea that we are in relationship with God and the gift of dialoguing with God. And that's very much epitomized by Jesus asking Bartimaeus, what did he want? And that could be your question for this week. If you were having that conversation with Jesus and Jesus said to you, what do you ask of him? What would be your response? What would be, you know, and for me, I think that could be your question this week for your lexio, for your reflection on scripture, asking yourself, what is it I'm asking of God? Because sometimes we're not wholly clear, but it's also an important point because Jesus is not dictating what Bartimaeus or what will happen to Bartimaeus. He's asking him in freedom and in freedom, you know, what is it that you ask of God? What is it that you ask of me? And that's a reminder to us that that is one of the central things about Christianity. It's that response and that dialogue with God. And are responding to the communication heart to heart. And something which very much needs to be emphasized, because sometimes faith and religion is seen as something which ties you down, which imprisons you. Whereas the message of Christianity is very much one of extreme freedom. And that's something that a lot of people don't seem to understand. They see it very much as rules and regulations. And as Pope Benedict XVI reminds us, that's not what Christianity is about. It's about personal relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. A friendship, a long relationship, and that's what we're called to when we truly listen and truly reflect on what we're being called to do. So I suppose to sum it up, I suppose, John, for this week's reflection, for me on, on, this, on this Sunday's Gospel, I suppose there, there's the first thing, which is that response to the question of Jesus what do you want me to do for you? So reflecting on that this week. And secondly, then Bartimaeus' response, Master, let me see again. And of course, in the context of Bartimaeus, he was talking in terms of physical sight. But for us, I suppose the question is, what do we need to see anew in terms of faith and our relationship with God as we journey on our path?
0: Shane, thank you very much indeed for that for that reflection this morning. But the phrase that uh, that stayed with me in for today's gospel um was spoken from the crowd. Courage, said he that's Jesus is calling you. It it just kept on staying with me and I was wondering where where to go with it and, and, and then I suppose after reflecting on where we were gonna do it, go, as Shane said in terms of part two, of our podcast today when we reflected on the World it, along with Pope Francis and we heard all about listening to the Lord through the Holy Spirit for some of us this can take courage because we're afraid the Spirit might be asking us to do more than what we want to get involved with and in our praying and discernment listening to the Holy Spirit might be leading us to where we might want to go We might hear a voice, maybe from the Holy Spirit, likely from the Holy Spirit, asking us to step out and become available to do whatever the Holy Spirit wants us to do. It's Mission Sunday this morning, but it's also, as we just reflected there in part two, and the synodal process of finding out where the Holy Spirit, where the Lord wants to lead us as a church. So like Bartimaeus in our Gospel today, we could ask Jesus to let us see again. To see through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. And after hearing Jesus respond to us by telling us to go, we we can go and we can follow Jesus along the road. So that finishes up our podcast for this week. Thanks again, Shane, for sharing those thoughts with us both on the Gospel and introducing us again, reminding us again about this World Synod, which of course has many twists and turns, but we've got a long way to go. And I think the message, uh, the message that both of us would agree uh, from... This week's podcast is Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's see, it, it, it can be joyful, it can be exciting, it will be joyful and exciting, uh, but we probably won't been, won't have been there before, it's something new. Let's see where it goes. So with that in mind, we'll go for our third bit of music. And thanks, Shane, for, for, for sharing the, the the podcast with me this morning. we we'll going now go for our final piece of music, and this one by James Cobham, and this is entitled, maybe ideal again, Take Hold of My Hand. So next week from Shane and myself, thanks again for joining us for this podcast and we'll do it all again next week. In the meantime, have a good week and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye now.
6: Could I sit beside you? Would you hold to my hand If I try to pray Understand. I'm drifting away to a far distant land, please. The sunlight. There's gloom all around. I can't hear your voice. Seems there's no sound. I can't feel your touch. I pushed you away. Let your spirit be with me.